Welcome to the Muscles and Veggies Fitness Podcast. This is where you get nutrition, health, fitness, performance, all perfectly packaged together in a bite-sized podcast to help educate and motivate you to stay on your fitness journey. Today, what are we talking about? Today, we are talking about dairy. Dairy, yes, dairy. Did you know the USDA recommends two to three cups of dairy per day? That's two to 300 calories every day that makes up 10 to 15% of the average person's calories out of dairy. Did you know that in 2021, the average human consumption was 655 pounds of dairy? Um, 655 pounds, that's like two pounds per person per day. Is that even, is that even possible? Anyways. Look, should we investigate dairy if we're consuming that much of it, like 10 to 15% of our total calories is from dairy? Uh, is dairy inflammatory? Um, what about this talk about antibiotics? Is that real? Like, are there antibiotics used in bovine? Um, what about hormones? Are there added hormones? Okay, so I just wanted to kind of look at some of the studies and show you guys what I found in some of these studies. It's really interesting. So let's start with the first question. Is dairy inflammatory? Now, I could sit here and show you 10 or 15 different studies on inflammation markers and dairy and what they found in a negative sense. But I just wanted to show you guys this so that you could really, um, that you could really see the truth behind dairy and and what how political it is that's what i wanted to say i couldn't get it out but it, how political it is so for one um if you're on youtube you're probably seeing this on the screen right now and i i just want to read what their conclusion was this was a meta-analysis and it was done in 2021 and in this meta-analysis, first you have to know what a meta-analysis is. And what they do in these is they take a look at multiple studies. So like, for example, like maybe 20 or 30 different studies on this topic, and they make their conclusion based on those studies. So in this, this was a meta-analysis based on an inflammation and dairy. I just want to read to you what their conclusion was. And here's what it says. It says, while there is insufficient evidence to recommend specific dairy foods as anti-inflammatory, so basically there was no evidence to support that we should call them anti-inflammatory, the substantial body of clinical research discussed in this review indicates that dairy foods do not increase concentrations of biomarkers of chronic systematic inflammation. In other words, they said there was no reason to believe Nothing showing that there that dairy raises biomarkers of inflammation. Now, here's the disturbing part of clinical research and studies. You go down under the notes section and acknowledgments, and I just want to uh, highlight this paragraph right here. Here's what it says: Scientist number one was an employee of the National Dairy Council at the time of this article. Scientist number two has received reimbursements of travel costs, as well as funding research from dairy-related organizations, including the National Dairy Council, Dairy Management Incorporated, Dairy Farmers of Canada, on and on and on. There's like five more. Um, let's go to scientist number three, has received 
uh, research funding for dairy-related dairy projects from the University of Wisconsin Dairy Innovation Hub, the National Dairy Council, the USDA, the National Institute of Food and Agriculture. Again, it just goes on and it lists basically all these guys that did this uh, review, this meta-analysis, they were all employees of the dairy organizations that are funding their operation. Do you really think that they're going to come back and say, yep, dairy is inflammatory when all the funding and their paychecks come from the National Dairy Council and all these other dairy organizations? So I just want to show how political this is. Instead of showing you all these nerdy studies about you know, the inflammation markers that are caused by dairy. Look, I don't need a study to tell me that dairy is inflammatory to my body. I let my body tell me that. Okay. And we're going to talk more about that later. Question number two, does dairy have antibiotics in it? Here's another study. Uh, this is 2019 study, antibiotic residues in milk, past, present, and future. Okay. I'm going to make this really easy for you. They took a ton of different samples from all different countries, China, Spain, Germany, USA, North America, South America, Africa, everywhere, right? There literally wasn't one of them that didn't have antibiotic residues uh, in the milk, okay? Uh, tetracyclines, I can't even pronounce all these antibiotics they found, but the, the point is when you raise livestock together, uh, there's infections that happens, there's bacterias, there's different things that happens that can contaminate an entire herd of cattle. So they use antibiotics with a sick cow and with cows in general just to prevent them from having these different, you know, parasitic and bacterial outbreaks. Bottom line is there's antibiotic residues in milk and dairy products um, that, as far as I know, aren't organic and they're conventionally raised. So that put that kind of, you know, to rest. Uh, there's lots of other studies too, but this was just one that stuck out. Now, next one. Does dairy have bovine hormones added by farmers? Now, uh, this is a study from 2015, hormones in dairy foods and their impact on public health. All right. I just want to read the, the results of the study. So they they looked at a lot of different things and the results of the collected data from other researchers and our own data is indicating the presence of steroid hormones in dairy products could be counted as an important risk factor for various cancers in humans. If you read this study, one of the interesting things about it was that there was really high levels of prolactin that was given to the cattle and most cattle are given this when it comes to dairy, why? because prolactin makes a cow lactate more and better and more frequent. So of course, it makes sense that they would give these cattle more prolactin uh, because it means more milk. And the more milk they get out of each cow, the more they sell and the more they make money off each head of cattle. So look, it's just really simple to see that uh, they're incentivized to produce the most milk they can. And what does that? Well, it's the hormones in the milk. And, and a lot of times from my research, the reason they get away with this and they can list it as hormone free is because as long as they don't have any, they can't test the cow's blood and find these levels of hormones um, at the time of slaughter in the case of grass-fed beef and things like that then they can actually put them on the label as hormone-free. Now, 
all that said, regardless of the dark side of dairy, okay, all that said, am I an anti-dairy zealot? No, I'm not. I, I like myself have dairy from time to time. It's not very often, maybe once or twice a month at most, but I just wanted to give you guys a perspective of a why that is why I don't have dairy very often and b some logic and reasoning on um, what we can think about when in terms of dairy and making it a staple of our, our everyday life. So, for example, what is bovine dairy designed to do? Okay, I want you to think about this little calf that's born. That milk is rich in fats, carbs, proteins, everything that that little calf needs to go from, let's say, 100 pounds to 900 pounds within about a year of life. Okay. So it's, did you know this, that there's no other food on the planet that is as rich as any kind of milk when it comes to fats, carbs, and proteins all in one place. In fact, I would like you to show me a food that is really rich in fats and carbs together. Anybody, send me an email, send me a comment, sh show me a food that has both fat and carbohydrate uh, naturally occurring that grows in the wild or is an animal in the wild that has both high concentration of fats and a high concentration of carbohydrates. Now there's lots that have carbs and protein, there's lots that have fats and protein, but there is nothing that I can find other than milk that has fats and, and a high level of carbohydrates naturally occurring at the same time. So when we think about in the terms of weight loss and inflammation, um, in terms of cancer growth, things like that, do I really want to consume something that is so anabolic for growing something? Okay. And, and necessarily just putting on a lot of weight on this calf. Also, we're the only species that consumes other species forms of milk. Okay, so that's kind of weird too. So here's, here's another one, and this is common knowledge. You can look this up if you don't believe me. 65 to 75% of all humans uh, in worldwide don't produce enough lactase in the small intestine. Lactase is the enzyme that breaks down lactose to properly digest dairy products. Why is that? Well, here's what they find is that a baby, uh, even a human baby, produces high levels of lactase, the enzyme in the small intestine, when they are a baby uh, to break down the lactose from a lot of milk. As we get older, we grow out of being a baby, we lose our ability to process in the small intestine that lactose, the sugar that's found in milk. So lactose intolerance is very common. So again, uh, maybe not such a thing that we should have every day, 10 to 15% of our calories, like the USDA recommends. Maybe it should be something as a condiment or a flavor enhancer that we use, you know, once or twice a month, something like that. Um, and I'm not saying that all people need to stay away from dairy, but listen, I don't need a study to tell me that I don't do well on dairy products. Um, I get inflamed, I get puffy, I get bloated, I get gassy, I get joint pain, I get brain fog. Um, it's very easy for me to tell, you know, when I've had 
a substantial amount of dairy because I, I just have all those symptoms. And these are all common symptoms that happen. You can look up with lactose intolerance. So here's a question for you. How do you know if one of your nagging symptoms or something that you're dealing with right now isn't from something like dairy or gluten if you have never went without it for more than a week? How do you know? So something to think about. Try an elimination diet. Uh, if I can, if you can take away nothing else from this conversation, uh, try an elimination diet. And by the way, pause this podcast right now. Do me a favor, pause the podcast. If you want to support me in any way, you like what you're learning on this podcast, um, you've learned anything whatsoever from my coaching in the gym, whatever it is, stop, go to Google, type in muscles and veggies fitness, and please leave me a review. Uh, under the reviews section of my Google Places account. Uh, this helps other people find me, helps other people find the podcast. That would be greatly appreciated if you would leave me a review on Google Places under Muscles and Veggies Fitness. So try an elimination diet. Is an elimination diet hard? Yes, it's hard. Life is hard. There is lots of things fighting against us day after day, but how do we know that some of those things that are fighting against us aren't things we're putting in our mouth? Okay, I don't want self-inflicted uh, problems. I've got enough problems. I don't need to self-inflict any more problems on myself than I already have. This is where an elimination diet can really teach you things about your body, especially when it comes to gluten, dairy, eggs, almonds. There's just lots of different things that I find uh, pretty consistently in you know 75 to 80 percent of people um, that struggle with any type of inflammation, any type of you know, performance issues. So here's the, the moral of the story. Should we eliminate dairy for good? I don't know. That's got to be your personal decision. I know that I do. I know my wife does. And, and I know that like once a month, we go out for a, a lovely dinner together and maybe we'll have something that has a little dairy. Uh, and, and yeah, I'll pay for that. But it's, it's only once in a while. And I want to stay as balanced as I possibly can. However, here's some tips that you can take away from this podcast. Um, try to get the best quality of dairy that you possibly can if you're going to have dairy once in a while. And, and again, I recommend that all people only have dairy once in a while and not every day like the USDA is recommending. Um, and realize how political this is. Realize how political the, the National Dairy Council and the USDA um, and, and how much they want us to be consuming dairy. Why? Because they are subsidized farmers. Our taxpayer, taxpayers in this country are paying for uh, subsidization, can't even say that, of uh, these farmers to, to produce more dairy. And it's, it's kind of a racket. Okay. So if you don't, if you don't know much about that, you know, do your own research. It's, it's very interesting. However, um, look for labels like organic, grass-fed, um, A1 casein, or I'm sorry, A1 source of milk. Listen, I want to go back for a second. <laughs> I know I'm all over the place. There's a lot of people that are addicted to dairy, uh, especially cheese. Cheese is probably over the years of coaching people nutritionally. I talk to people and they're like, oh, I just can't give up my cheese. My cheese is like, I just, I just love cheese. And um, I want to highlight 
something that you can look up and do your own research on that I think is really important. And that is casomorphines. You heard me right. Casomorphines. There are morphine-like compounds that are found in the protein that's alongside whey protein in milk. So there's whey protein and there's casein protein. Casein protein produces little molecules like endorphin-like compounds that are casomorphines. These little opiate-like compounds, they give people a dopamine spike just like morphine or opiates do, and people are addicted to that. Um, so again, there's other reasons why dairy um, can be addictive and, and why people have such a hard time of removing it from the diet or, or limiting it in the diet. Um, you can also try some dairy alternatives. Um, my wife and I really like a company called Vio Life. We also like another one called Kite Hill. Uh, we use their cream cheese. We use their shredded cheese on our tacos and stuff. Uh, but, but they're great and they're dairy free. They're dairy alternatives. They're made from uh, good products, good companies. So, you know, some people have a taste for them. Some people don't. My wife and I love them, uh, but they really help in staying dairy free and keeping our inflammation at bay. So look, if you like what you're hearing, thank you for giving me 17 minutes of your time. Uh, don't forget to go to Google Places and leave me a review. I would greatly appreciate that. And if you like what you're hearing on this podcast, share it with a friend, share it with somebody else who uh, needs to be dairy free or wants to be dairy free, but doesn't know how. Um, ask me any questions. Look, if you guys have topic ideas or questions for me, please DM me on Instagram at, at muscles and veggies. You can also go to my website, musclesandveggies.com. Until next time, though, I'm Zach, Muscles and Veggies Fitness Podcast. See you on the next one.